When you need a package delivered right away, look no further than Dub Talk Delivery Service. Yes, Dub Talk Delivery Service, delivering wacky shenanigans and obscure anime references since 2015. We are proud to serve our community with all their audio delivery needs, and every delivery is provided with our three basic rules. First, all Dub Talk deliveries may contain language and subject matter not suitable for younger listeners. Take special care when handling deliveries if you're on the younger side. Second, all Dub Talk deliveries do contain spoilers for the anime being discussed. If you have not finished watching the anime in question, please be wary before handling the package. Third, the opinions expressed by our hardworking delivery people do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Dub Talk delivery service as a whole. And as a special promotional offer, the next 4,000 customers will have their package delivered via a young witch with a snarky talking cat. It's our way of saying thank you for all your support over the last five years. So call us today and get your audio deliveries handled by only the best, Dub Talk Delivery Service, because the audio is just too big for Dropbox. Hello everyone, I'm Zenith Warrior Princess. Welcome back to Dub Talk, where we discuss the best and brightest dubs in the industry. Normally, we discuss some of the current and uh, semi-current dubs. We've done some from like, you know, five, ten years ago. Um, we, we've done stuff from Summer at the Movies, where we do stuff from way in the past. Sometimes we focus on super, super recent stuff. But we are here today because of the five-year anniversary, where we... Each chose a dub that was special to our hearts, and I chose Kiki's Delivery Service. We'll get into why in a bit, but I am joined today by Noah Clue. I am ready to fly. I have attached these feathered wings to my back, and I think that they are going to keep me up in the air. Yes, I read the story of Icarus. I'm pretty sure that these wax wings will not melt. Do you believe you can fly? Do you believe you can touch the sky? Uh, you know, there, there is actually a remake of, uh, not a remake, it's like a sequel to Space Jam coming out next year, which features some of the actors in this movie, so it's very fitting to reference that particular movie. I believe I can fly. <laughs> You're not going to get me God. to sing. <laughs> we, well, we'll uh, find the right song. Speaking of which, we are also joined by Roots. How's it going, Roots? Roots of Justice Airlines, clear for takeoff. Your vector is clear, <laughs> all set, go on ahead. Breaker, breaker, marker 10. We got us a flying witch off on the horizon. You might want to watch out for that. Over. There's, there's got to be like an airplane, like the movie airplane reference here we can throw in. <laughs> um, sh- Roots, surely you must be joking. Now don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> I don't the think anyone's in that movie. is for loading and unloading only. You cannot park in the white zone. I'm getting tired of this white zone, red zone. I picked the wrong week to start. I picked the wrong week to stop uh, drinking. Would you like to make a generous contribution to Witches Help Anonymous? (laughs) I already gave it the office. So welcome again, everybody. We're talking about the dub for Kiki's delivery service today. And I want to start briefly by discussing why I personally... Uh, put this as my dub for dub talk um kiki's delivery service is my current favorite ghibli movie of all time i uh it is the first one i ever saw 
and it just it resonated with me as a kid. I remember picking it up. I don't know if it was Toonami or if it was in the movie theater as I rented it, but I saw it a lot as a kid and I loved it. And I was fascinated by magic and witches and this this sense of wonder. But the thing I love about the film, and I've said this before, is that it grows up with you. It is one of those films where, as a child, you get the wonder, but as an adult, you see the message behind it about how it, it's a it's a growing up film. It's a coming of age story for a young witch, and as she gets older, she loses the magic of her childhood. She starts literally losing her powers. And it's all about how, as you grow up, the world starts seeming like a more dangerous place, and you lose that childlike wonder. And how you shouldn't completely lose it, but you have to adapt to the times. And I just love this message, and I love the characters, and I love the world. And it's, you know, Miyazaki loves flying. Miyazaki loves no. flying machines. Really? <laughs> I how mean, could this you tell? Is, I, I've seen every one of his movies, and I don't see any indication <laughs> that the man's a fan of flying. And this is the one that has the most flying like stuff in it. Maybe Castle in the Sky, maybe with the Sky Pirates, but this this it's, is like I mean a, the uh, There's the Wind Rises was his most recent movie, and that is a movie quite literally and entirely about a guy who built airplanes. Airplanes. <laughs> and you know I'm I'm staring at my DVD shelf right now at the section for Porco Rosso. There's no flying in that, is there? <laughs> it's all about planes. See, I need to see. I, I thought Porco. that was like. I thought it was like an Italian mob movie. I need to see Porco <laughs> Rosso. I, I I I will eventually watch it, but um, from my understanding, like this was the first like big flying machine movie that I've seen with him, and I just it, mm-hmm. he the the way he imbues flying in the animation um is is simply wonderful uh Miyazaki doesn't storyboard his films he does he doesn't have a script he just he takes images and says this is what i want and that's why like a lot of his films are uh very much super pretty and when it comes to the flying scenes of this film like this so wondrous so full of life mhm and that wasn't really present in the original story because this is not uh, this is an adaptation, um, contrary to semi-popular belief. It's actually based on a series of children's books that was uh, a bit different from this. Um, so you have uh, the flying machines thing wasn't really present in the original books. It was much more about the growing up portion of it, which they definitely captured in this movie. But it didn't really uh, have like the Zeppelin end game. It didn't have Tombo being obsessed with um, building some flying machine. So it's a good indication of how you can capture the essence of the original source material while still adding something to it to make it a different experience for the film version. Now, would you classify this film as, I knew no good would come from them city folk and their fly machines? I mean, I would say a lot of good does not come from those city folks, especially that one stuck-up of a girl who takes the pie and says, ugh, I didn't want this, it's all wet, I hate her crummy pies, while Kiki's staying out there in the pouring rain, missing her party, just absolutely floored by the ungratefulness of the in front of her. That is what city folk are representative of, and worst character in any Ghibli movie, I don't care, any other villains, that girl right there. Yeah, she is the worst. Um, but yeah, Kiki Kiki is one of my favorite films, favorite Studio Ghibli films, and uh, I, I love it to death. And I wanted to discuss it today. Uh, Noah, yes. What are your thoughts on uh, on Kiki's delivery service? 
is it your favorite Ghibli movie? <laughs> I'll keep this very brief because um, it is uh, currently my favorite Ghibli movie. And a big part of that was because I also saw it very early on. I don't think it ever aired on Toonami. Um, I saw this airing on the Disney Channel because this this was a bit of uh, a legacy film for the Disney-Ghibli relationships because it was the first film that was released by Disney, made by Ghibli. Uh, the, the film came out in 1989, and then Disney gave it a dub and put it out on home video in 1996, I believe. So a lot of people saw this as like their very first introduction to the Ghibli canon. And I, I think because of that introduction, and because it's like one of the few movies that has no central antagonist, it's like entirely internal development, and it has beautiful scenery based on a Swedish town and some gorgeous animation that we hadn't really seen at that point. You know, 1996 was like, that was the year Hunchback of Notre Dame came out. Completely different than anything else I'd seen before. So, and, and like you said, growing up, it does grow up with you. So yeah, I, I would say that despite how much I do love a lot of the other Ghibli films, not just Miyazaki's, but the other Ghibli films, this is still my head and shoulders number one film from their canon. Well, that that is high praise coming from a uh, uh, an animation aficionado like yourself. I think. Um, but uh, but I have to agree. I I, I love this uh, roots roots of justice. What are your thoughts? I mean, so in all honesty, you know, you probably know where I stand in terms of my Ghibli film rankings. Um, Porco Rosso is definitely my top film. Um, I actually just watched Kiki's Delivery Service for the first time about a week ago. Because uh, we have been... Um, the timing of Gasps recording this episode lesbian. was all dependent on um, Zen getting some of her audio equipment in and me getting my copy of Kiki's Delivery Service delivered. Unfortunately, not by a witch on broomstick. I had to wait for USPS, but you know. You make do. <laughs> no, no, you you had to wait for Fed Hex. <laughs> I'll include a screenshot of of what you called our our Twitter chat. <laughs> oh my god, I I love that. I love that. Anyway, continue. Um, that being said, I I do love this movie. Um, mainly because it's just so comfy. Like, from the first five minutes in, when Kiki's first riding on her broom, and she asks her cat to turn on the radio, and you get this, like, 60s J-pop tune, it's, it's, it does a great job of placing you in sort of this not-particularly-anywhere land, that's sort of a pseudo-1950s-1960s kind of kind of area that I guess is mm. like no I actually didn't know it was based around Sweden but oh yeah they um if you've got the uh, the home video release you've got did you get the the G kids version or the original Disney release uh the G kids okay I I have the Disney version so I don't know if they have all the same uh background material but the uh, the one I have the Disney version has like an entire documentary about Ghibli's visit to uh, where's this town? Um, uh, actually, it's um, it has nothing to do with the syndrome, but it is Stockholm. It is based on Stockholm, Sweden, and they they just spend a lot of time going over the architecture, the uh, color palette, the 
uh, setup of the roadway. So that entire setup basically forms the bulk of what the animation animated city was based on. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, the... And not just the animation, but the background artistry is so pretty. It And the people who inhabit this town that Kiki has decided to live in... Um, they're all doing things. It, it feel the town feels lived in, and that is high praise for you know Hayao Miyazaki's attention to detail, Studio Ghibli's ability to keep up with Miyazaki's ambitions. I this was actually like his. Historically, this was really important, too, because this was the first big blockbuster movie that Ghibli had that made them a lot of money. So they had to change their staffing situation because beforehand they were just kind of doing temp workers where you were kind of hired for the movie. And then after you were done, you were let go. So for this movie, because of the workload inspired in it, they had to hire full time staff. They basically had to say, OK, we will keep people on salary so that they can become a full fledged part of the studio and make this movie even better. Okay. Yeah, you can you can definitely feel that here. There is a definite feel in this film of this is the start of stuff because the the films beforehand were good, but they didn't speak to aside from maybe Castle in the Sky, they didn't speak to what eventually the quality of the 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 production studio would be and Kiki's Delivery Service is just to me the start of greatness uh, for Ghibli, and I mean, if we if we didn't have stuff like Castle in the Sky and and Kiki, then we wouldn't have had uh, Princess Mononoke or mm. Spirited Away or Ponyo or, <laughs> or, or Tales from Earthsea. <laughs> let's see, let's see a show um, of hands. How many people here have actually seen Earthsea? I see we have z- put that hand down. Zero hands in this audience. <laughs> I actually watched a little bit of it back when. Before the big to-do with um, Ghibli finally selling the streaming rights to all of their properties. Mm-hmm. Um, Tales of Versailles and Ponyo were actually made available on Netflix via Stars back when that partnership existed. Oh, wow. Uh, so I caught a little bit of it, and then I got bored, and I just turned on something else. Yeah, from what I can tell, it was not very good and not well-received, and Goro and his father do not get along. Uh, they so, do now, uh, apparently. Me... Yeah, they've gotten... They uh, reconciled okay. enough to make another movie, um, in which case uh, Hayo actually wrote it, uh, and Goro directed it. It was called From Up on Poppy Hill, a much better movie, and uh, give him enough confidence that... They're actually releasing a third movie coming out for television later this year. It's a fully CGI movie. Uh, the name escapes me, but it's another fantasy story uh, from the same person who wrote. Uh, I forget the name on here. Let me pull that up really quick. Howl's Moving anyways, Castle. Yeah, they're, they're on good terms now. Yes, thank you. It's the same author of Howl's Moving Castle, uh, Diana Wynne Jones. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and the it, the new film the new film is going to be interesting. But I'm also interested in. What is supposedly, and I say this with quotes, uh, Miyazaki's final film before he actually retires. Now, granted, he has said this many different times that he was going to retire. 
and uh, he doesn't. But he has also stated for the upcoming film that uh, this is going to be something that is a gift to his grandchildren mm-hmm. or gra- grandchild uh, as his final, you know, final film, and that could mean finality. And he's he's getting up in years, but you never know. I mean, I, since Takahata Isao Takahata, his you know partner in crime, passed away a couple years ago, I get the feeling that he really is like okay it's time to finally wind down this is gonna be it i i I hope this is it you know michael jackson quote this is it (laughs) yeah considering they've worked uh, on the film for like three years already and it's only about a third of the way done yeah i mean it's supposed to be out by 2023 if i recall correctly um if at all but you know you never know backstreet's back has has (laughs) nothing on Miyazaki when it comes to wanting to come back. I mean, we we've wait, we waited like 10 years between the release of one Evangelion movie and the supposed final one. We can wait for the final, final, final Miyazaki movie. But speaking of that, we should probably talk <laughs> about right. the dub for uh, this particular Miyazaki movie. We should. Uh, that is a good segue. With that being said, let's talk about the actual dub we love the film. We've talked a little bit about Miyazaki, but let's talk about the dub. And the uh, since this is a an older dub, we're going to uh, not have any pretense. We're not going to do any uh, <laughs> predictions because we can't predict the past. Uh, I can't even predict what's happening right now on this on this podcast. The, but... <laughs> my first introduction to this movie, like before seeing it at all, was like trailers for it on vhs tapes of other disney movies and they they like flatly promoted who the voice actors were for the lead characters so yeah even if we hadn't i hadn't seen the movie beforehand i would have no way of trying to predict who would be in this ahead of time i i I would have to go to paz seneth and be like uh uh um oh god uh what's the what's the name of the spell um you're talking about oblivion uh, obliviate I would have to go to past Zenith and go obliviate, <laughs> um, and I wish I, I, I would I would totally do that, but I can't. I can't because time travel is not currently possible. Make it happen, folks. Um, but this this dub is uh, done by uh, an interesting team. First of all, we have ADR director and scriptwriter Jack Fletcher, and the scriptwriter uh, the script was co-written by John Semper. I don't know these people. Could you enlighten the, the audience about who these two people are, Noah? I'll do my very best. Um, those are probably not names that you're super familiar with, um, but if you've been watching any television animation recently, you've probably seen some of Jack Fletcher's work before. Um, some things he's directed recently is, uh, if you saw the 2016 Powerpuff Girls series, he was key voice director on that. If you saw the um, the Legend of the Three Caballeros, which is this disney show that uh stars donald duck and the three caballeros which you should definitely check out it's a very good short 13 episode series he was the voice director on that or like some more recent stuff that was on cartoon network like uncle grandpa and sonic boom so the man's been very very busy um you know obviously something very different from kiki's delivery service which was a disney was a disney dub but that gives you an idea that uh he kind of built on that success and now he's working on a whole lot of television animation. And it's interesting. This dub is interesting to me because it's not like a lot of other dubs. It's a mix of high-profile people and people you've seen in animation everywhere. And and it, it, it like I feel like Disney 
when they went to do this, they said, this is very good. Let's get our best people on this. Um, I'm, I'm a spoiler alert. I don't have much criticism for this dub. Um, but in any case, my thoughts on the, the script and the directing, I think it's perfect. Perfect. I think this is interesting. I, I think it's perfect. Um, the way Kiki's delivery service feels, it feels like real life. People talk naturally. There's, there's, there's nothing that I feel is unnatural, no unnatural pauses. And especially at the time when you're adapting anime, like when you think about anime back then in the mm-hmm. 90s, like things were different. But this to me is a dub that has withstood the test of time. Everything works. Everything feels natural. Um, I, I think it was adapted pretty damn perfect. What do you think, Noah? Uh, I, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be the downer on this because, like, when you say, like, you thought it was perfect, I'm like, I don't want to pop holes in Zeppelins on this one because it is a very good, it's a very enjoyable dub, and I don't think that there's really a whole lot that could have been done to improve on it because, um, here's the thing, there are two dubs of this movie. There are two English dubs of Kiki's Delivery Service, and I believe that all three of us basically watched the second dub of it. And I'll just give a quick explanation because when they originally released this movie on VHS back in 1996 or had the Disney Channel premiere of it, they had a lot more dialogue in it than was in the original Japanese. Now, that's not necessarily a problem all the time. Um, I think they wanted the, all the quieter parts of the movie, made them a little uncomfortable, so they felt the need to fill it in with um, either ad-libs or extra vocal effects and in key part the cat Gigi had way more lines than uh, was in the original Japanese Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to Gigi's part but the thing I say is that they kind of went back and they fixed that for the DVD release um, both the Disney DVD release and the G Kids release so that's the version that we're all familiar with that's the one that's going to be streaming soon it's it's I I think uh, Netflix has it up on a lot of countries that are not america i think canada just got it and that way it's a very good dub it's a very faithful adaptation it is like there are no mysterious lines in this at all sometimes uh writers will write subtextual lines where you kind of have to decipher what it is they're really meaning there is zero of that in this movie uh one of my favorite lines is um kiki is talking to ursula in the cabin and says that she really enjoys flying but she's enjoyed it less since it became a job. And I think a lot of us can relate to that, uh, taking something we really enjoy, and then when we try to sort of capitalize on it or we do it more seriously, it starts to lose a little bit of its luster. And those are really good line writing. So Jack and John did a very good job on the writing. I only have one real quip, something that really carries over, and this is just kind of uh, an evil of dubbing in general. Sometimes the lip flaps are come in so quickly that they have to speed up their lines just a little bit. Uh, there's, like, scenes where Kiki is talking to certain characters and the, the lip flaps are going, like, da 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 And so she's got two lines that are kind of, like, stapled together really quickly. She'll, like, she'll get change from, like, she'll get money from one of the characters and go, like, for me, thank you, instead of, like, having a pause in between there. So um, acting is very good. Direction-wise, there's just some quick parts because of the lip flap issues and they, they thankfully they went back and they uh, made it more faithful than that original 1996 dub. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I can definitely see that it, lip flaps aren't something I notice unless they're super, super obvious these days. Like, for example, um, an example of one where I noticed was in the uh, RE Chain of Memories release for uh, for PS3 or 4. Uh, because the the game was originally Japanese voice acted when they went to update it, they didn't update the lip flaps, and you could tell the difference. So they're using the Japanese lip flaps. So, like, in those cases, I can somewhat notice, but it's not something I notice as often. But you're an animation buff. I'm more of a gamer, so that that's a, that's a difference. Uh, Roots, thoughts? Yeah, so... I do agree with you, Zen, that casting-wise, uh, this movie is damn near perfect. Um... All of the actors more or less sounded appropriate to the design of the characters. Um, I... Among the... Among dub talk, that's sometimes a, a factor in critique and sometimes it isn't. Um, I do think it's kind of important on my end, just... Because if you... Oh, how do I word this? Um, you can tell in anime when a character has been kind of grievously miscast. Um, just getting to know dub actors and where their vocal profiles range. And then finding out that, oh, this, this actor who plays mainly... Uh, young teenagers is suddenly playing this big, gruff, <laughs> mercenary guy. This is unusual. Are, are you are you thinking of, like... Um, there's none ask, of that are here. Are you thinking of anyone in particular? Because I'm, I'm wearing, like, what? No, 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 what no. I'm just... recently that had that problem? I'm just pulling an example okay. out of my hat. Or like when Spaceman Hardy sees someone in, in an anime that he doesn't like. I love you, Hardy. Please don't <laughs> hurt me. We, we've all got our, our, our favorite whipping boys. Or whipping girls. Yes. Yep. Um, so as I was saying, um, every actor casted in this feels appropriate. Whether they're the big time Hollywood celebrities who are meant to draw people into the film. Or they're professional voice actors that are brought in to fill, to fill the gaps. And make sure that everything sounds rounded out and even perfectly smooth and I'm glad to say that that completely works the uh the script writing also feels natural mm -hmm. and the walla feels appropriate um one thing I will say though and I have the G kids release as we mentioned um something about the mixing just feels a little tinny. Uh, I don't know if that's just nature of the beast with the way the film was remastered and, you know, the dub audio was rehandled and, you know, remixed to fit the, the new HD materials. It's, it's um, hard to really say. Um, when it comes to audio for films, especially Blu-rays... Honestly, DVDs, i found, have better sound, personally. I, I know I'm kind of in the minority of this, but I've always found Blu-rays to have worse sound than than DVDs. 
So that could just be the nature and of the Meaning beast. worse, do you mean like it sounds right. weaker or it sounds muffled or what? S- softer, um, more compressed, ah. even when you're doing it in surround sound. Um, I know some people say that's maybe it's because of how I rip certain Blu-rays, but even watching them like outright, I always find them too soft for me. I have to keep turning up the volume, whereas with DVDs, it's a flat sound rate, and it could attribute to the tittiness. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, I I give casting, writing, and directing a solid thumbs up. All right, let's move on to the two minor characters that we're probably not going to talk about too too much, Yay! but but are important to Kiki because they are her mom and her dad. We're talking about Kiki's mom, Kiki's dad. Kiki's mom is voiced by Kath Susie, which you may know as as in like every American cartoon ever. Um, was, when you said we're not going to talk about these two much, I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to talk about these two. We're never going to talk about these two. <laughs> we're never going to talk about these two actors on Dub Talk. Hell yeah, I'll talk about them. <laughs> um so yeah Zen, we brought Su- Noah clue into this <laughs> what do you expect <laughs> I, I i expect animation i expect animation because uh you may know this by now but he's a buff of american animation as well as japanese and in other sources uh he stands all animation uh <laughs> You may recognize Katsusi as a Lola Bunny in Space Jam, uh, Fifi La Fume in Tiny Toon Adventures, uh, Dexter's Mom in Dexter's Laboratory, uh, mm. Maddie Fenton in Danny Phantom, Phil Lill, and everybody else in American cartoons. Oh, she, she's been, she is so prolific that she even showed up in a recent Disney movie. She was young Nick Wilde in Zootopia. Really? Yeah, that, that is how. That's who that was. Oh yeah! Wow, and that—that's—I mean—that's nothing like the voice we hear in this movie. But that younger, you know, squeakier voice is what I, what I distinguishly know her from. Uh, and then also Kiki's dad is voiced by Jeff Glenn Bennett, yeah. who also has you know you may recognize in a bunch of stuff like Johnny Bravo and Johnny Bravo, Dexter's dad and Dexter's Lab, Petrie in <laughs> the Land Before Time. These are voices that you will have heard in everything, and you will recognize them immediately. And uh, before I even start, Noah, you have the floor. I don't. uh, Okay, I'll go and I'll make this brief because I know I could go on for the full two and a half hours on just these two. Because well, this is your expertise. The next, the next group is my expertise. Fair enough. That's a good point. Okay. Um. So yeah, Keith and Jeff are like some of the most prolific. Uh, voice actors and animation since the 90s and even into the present so hearing them in this is just a really really great treat um now do they fit let's just focus on do they fit yes i think they fit very well um kate is a very good mom voice that she uses when she's not doing like um young characters or um young boys like she does young boys a lot very well too um but in this particular one she has a voice on here that's, like, on the older side. It, you can still hear her natural lilt, that uh, natural voice that you hear in, you know, Danny Phantom or anything else that Zen just listed. And But it works well here because she puts a lot more care and concern into the voice. And because uh, Kiki's mom uh, is not 100% confident all the time, like, we see her accidentally burn a couple of her potions here and there, which is kind of, like an indication that that's where her daughter gets her own uh, slight klutziness from, which is a really nice non-verbal touch. 
But Kate sells that really well. Like, she holds her composure, and she's a really good uh, maternal voice that, I mean, I recognize absolutely instantly, but I, I don't think is, like, super distracting either. It's very good casting, as we were talking about before. Now, Jeff Bennett, I've actually done an entire video on this guy. Um, in the very few times I've done videos before, I did an entire voice actor Wait shout a second, out. you make videos? Very briefly, and only when I have the free time. But yes, back in the like day... Yes. Back in the days when I had that time, I made a whole video about Jeff Bennett's uh, voice acting career. And in that, I, I talked about how he's got a very southern voice to him in a lot of the things he does. That's why you see him as, like, Shocker and Spectacular Spider-Man or the old crazy guy in Scooby-Doo and the Alien Invaders, which he does very well. What this voice in this movie is much closer to is, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but have you heard of a children's book called Curious George at all? I don't know. I I, I think maybe a hundred times. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sounds kind of obscure. It, it is. It seems very niche. It's very underground. Only the cool kids read it as a kid. Uh, but they made a PBS made a, a television show based on that, and in that, Jeff Bennett plays the man with the yellow hat, which is you know, much closer to this voice than any of his like bigger bombastic voices. And but again, it fits very well. He's got a very uh, uh, kind of country-ish voice to him in this movie, which is fitting because they're supposed to be, you know, out away from the city, away from where everybody else is. And he brings that uh, that good uh, southernism voice to him. And I like that he has two modes, kind of. He's got that sort of um, uh, daddish, uh, worried voice when uh, she find, when he finds out that Kiki's going away. And he's got to kind of cope with that. But then when he's talking to Kiki directly, he puts on what every father knows, the dad voice. The talking to their children with love and compassion and slight goofiness. That It's kind of an affectation that dads naturally put on for their children. They can't even help it. It just comes out naturally. So, yeah, there is my long spiel about two actors that I love so much. Roots, take the microphone away before I go any further. Take the microphone. Take it. Okay. So, hold on a second. They got Dexter's mom and Dexter's dad (laughs) to play Kiki's mom and dad. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Ah, yes. So, it's it's such a good casting choice. Saturdays are made for dad and dad's (laughs) dad's car. I saw that that the clip recently. I'm like, oh my god, um, <laughs> so good. Every Saturday, man. <laughs> oh, but I, for as little screen time as I get, I love their interactions with Kiki. I absolutely adore it. Um, they are very much doting parents who are concerned that their 13 year old daughter is venturing out into the world on her own. Uh, trying to postpone this day when she's supposed to be leaving. Uh, Night of the Full Moon. As much so as they can. to watch out just... for werewolves. <laughs> I mean, Halloween theming? I don't know. Uh, anyway, there... We never find out if there's like anything other magic parts of this world. Is it just witches or are there other leprechauns and fairies too? We never find out. Eh, maybe one day we'll find out. Um, anyway. Um, they're trying to keep her from leaving too soon. She does it anyway. 
And they have to be respectful of her decision, while at the same time... Okay. Um, one, one part of this I really enjoyed was, um... An interaction between Kiki's mom, Kiki herself, and Gigi. Um, where Kiki's mom is basically trying to dissuade her from using a broom that she made herself. Um, in exchange for one of her own that's older and more reliable. Mm-hmm. And she's just going on this little spiel about how sometimes older things are more reliable because they've been around longer, and it's just, like, that is exactly how I would expect a mother to talk to her child. And then also, um, her dad being kind of disappointed about not going on the camping trip, and then tripping over all of the camping gear. Like, that is great, like, comedic timing performance from, uh, Jeff Bennett. Um, so, I'm gonna keep it a little short. I very much like these two. Honestly, for the casting choice, they could have gotten anyone, but I, I, I think this fits so well because they got people who are experienced doing voices, but also who who were experienced doing um, parental voices and knew how to do them, not just comedically, but also genuinely. And I think they both turn in fantastic performances for the little screen time that they have. They're not the most important characters uh, aside from Takiki, but a lot of the film is centered around Kiki when she's alone and off doing her thing. Um, still, uh, I like them. I think they did a fantastic job. We need to move on. We need to move on to uh, the 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 old lady squad. <laughs> the, the we need to fly away. old lady squad. We'll fly away. Um, but yeah, we're going to the old lady squad with Madame and Barsa, the two old women that Kiki meet um, and help on her journey. And uh, two of my favorite characters in the film, to be honest, because they're they're wonderful. Now, for their actresses, we have uh, for Madame. Debbie Reynolds, who is uh, one of my favorite Disney actresses because, uh, for one very specific reason, Halloween Town, she played one of the, uh, the, the grandmother in Halloween Town saying, being normal is vastly overrated. And I, I love her in, in, in that, but she's, she's a big Disney act- actress. She's done a lot of other things. Um, and then as for Barza, we have Annie McClurg, uh, or Edie McClurg. I, I do not know how to say I think that it, I think correctly. Edie. Edie. Um, she's done a lot of... Uh, she's done a lot of stuff. Uh, you may know her from A Bug's Life as Dr. Flora. Uh, Air Bud Spikes Back with Graham Graham. <laughs> Uh, you may know her from Cars, uh, the Cars franchise, as Minnie, uh, but she was also in The Little Mermaid, um, as, uh, Little Mermaid 2 as uh, Carlotta, um, and uh, a, f- a few other things. She's one of uh, Disney actresses who's done some some minor parts, not a lot of major. Uh, she was in uh, Wreck-It Ralph as Mary and Frozen as Gerda, but uh, nope. you may not recognize her immediately. Oh, I know. Now, exactly refresh my memory. From. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was also the, um, 
the assistant yep. to the the principal in yep. Ferris Bueller's Day that Off. Is, that is exactly right. She is the one who was talking about the the blood sports dweebies dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a. They all think dude. he's a righteous dude. Oh, and she was also in Planes, Trains, and, trains, and Automobiles the... as the car rental agent. I want to say the whole speech, but I won't. I'll save that, but everyone knows. No, no, say the speech. Do it. We have time. But yes, that, I think that's where more people would know her from, is, is those two movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently she was in Elvira, and she, she's been in a lot of things. It just, you may, like, she's had minor roles in them. But she's still she's got a very distinct voice, um, so like, like yes. that that uh, that drawl, that like Midwest drawl voice, like like that's very much her thing. And it's a little weird that she doesn't really use that in this movie. Um, she gives her like a very uncharacteristic old lady voice that's different from what she's what, what that comedic voice we're used to. So I kind of wonder like why did they? I, I'm glad they cast her because I think she's a really great actress. I'm just wondering like why did they have her do that? A uh, very different voice from what she normally does. Uh, with that being said, uh, Noah, what do you think of these two lovely ladies? Um, Debbie is a is just a sweetheart. Like um, I, uh, my favorite role of hers is uh, is Charlotte from the the movie Charlotte's Web, the the old one, the old Hanna Barbera one. And yes, Halloween Town is a, a classic Halloween movie. But uh, <laughs> in this movie, I don't really think she gets to shine very much as an actress. Because uh, the animation on Madame and the the inflection from the original Japanese is very soft, very reserved, like very weathered. And Debbie uh, absolutely fits that with a very slow paced, like aged speaking voice. Um, She doesn't have like a crackly voice to show off age exactly. She's just like more reserved, more downtrodden, but very nice as well. So it's not exactly a standout voice. Like I don't feel like it needed the the sublime acting skills of Debbie Reynolds. Like as you were saying with Halloween Town, we, we could point to that as something that came out just a few years later and had a lot more fun and zest and pep to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Debbie Reynolds is a treasure, and like every movie that she's in, I love. But I do I do have to agree with you that um this is kind of a waste of her talents. She does a great job. They, they both do, but uh, I, I think uh, her talents are, are slightly wasted in this. Just, just a bit. It's, I mean, I, I'm not sure if they fully anticipated this being one of the most popular animated movies of all time, but I, I do feel like it was uh, within the realm of what the role called for. Like, It's not like she was misdirected or anything. This is exactly the kind of voice that Madame needs. It's just that we could have easily pass this off to someone who was I hate to say this but a little cheaper we could have saved a few bucks <laughs> what I'm glad they didn't save a few bucks on was Edie because um, I, I really like her voice I really like her natural speaking voice like one of my favorite uh, voice acting roles she's done is um, uh, the original PBS series Clifford the Big Red Dog she plays Mrs. Bleakman the wife of the next door neighbor and she's got like that very um, well, you see, the dogs come over to play, and that's why the birds come over. And isn't Clifford just the nicest dog you've ever seen, don't you know? Like, I, I know I'm not from Minnesota, but that's, that's kind of what she sounds like. It's just so ding-dang cold <laughs> out here in Minnesota, eh? I, I mean, uh, oh, 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 good on ya. Good on ya there. Hey, I, I'm sorry about that. I, I, I'm in Minnesota right now. Oh, that's so. right. 
So yeah, you know. Oh yeah, they don't bother me none. But it's it's just, just ding dang cold. But like I was saying, <laughs> she she has a, a lot. Like she, you can hear that same natural comedic voice to her. But it, she has like the she adds an extra layer of old lady voice to it. Which is perfectly fine. Like it's fitting with the character, and it's not distracting. Um, there's the great thing I can say about this dub all around is that there's no distracting voices, except maybe for one who we'll get to in the very last section. But Edie sounds like she's just having a lot of fun in this, and the, the two balance off each other very well. Both Debbie and Edie play off each other as like a good example of the nice people that Kiki uh, helps out. Like, she helps out a couple of different people throughout this course of the movie, and these two are definitely the most standout-ish of them. Mm-hmm. And Roots. I just love these two. They're, they're such characters. Like, it's... It... Again, like like with Kiki's parents, you don't see them too, too much, but they're always... They're always doing something interesting whenever... Kiki shows up to do a delivery for them. Um, I'm actually particularly stricken with the, um... It's one of her last encounters with them over the course of the film. And, um... I want to say it was, um... It was Barsa who had the interest in aviation and the blimp. And she's just absolutely geeking out over it. And it's just one of those. I I, I just love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, I, I think that's one thing about this film that is just is real. These characters are, are they feel real and live and living and they have such presence. Even even like, you know, Madame and, and Barza who admittedly are the somewhat minor in terms of the roles like every single character feels real oh yeah um yeah, also you... i love that um evie mcclurg's midwestern tang uh midwestern twang gets to come out just enough like you can tell she's kind of holding it back just because it's sort of it's not quite realistic in a pseudo-Sweden setting. But you still kind of hear it whenever she speaks, and it's just absolutely delightful. And um, <laughs> Debbie Reynolds just being this gentle, grandmotherly figure is just... God, I, I, I love these two so much. Um, the performances were great. They get... They do some great line reads. Um, I can imagine, since this is probably done in the traditional manner of anime dubs where everybody records their lines separately, um, that no one actually got to interact directly with the other actors. But I, I would just love a situation where... Kiki's voice actress, who we'll get to at the end of the episode, um, just got to sit down with these two and just have a great time. I, I like that metal image, and I hope that's that's how things ended up. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I do think that Debbie Reynolds was a little bit, like, not miscast, but, like, they, they, 
they put her in a, she should have been in a bigger role or they should have had her made made her a little bit more animated but what we have here i love madame i think her voice is perfect and barza is just a lot of fun these two are, are are a lot of fun it's just like i could have imagined both of these actresses in bigger mm -hmm. roles uh but what we got for them was great um moving on to the penultimate tier we have osano ursula and tombo now tombo is uh one of kiki's friends from the village ursula is an artist friend and um i'm trying to remember osano she's the baker um, the the pregnant baker lady the the pregnant baker lady okay um now osano is voiced by tress mcneil ursula is voiced by janine garofalo and tombo is voiced by matthew lawrence you may know Tress McNeil from The Simpsons. <laughs> because Tress McNeil is all over The Simpsons, but she's also done a lot of other stuff. You may recognize her as Daisy in DuckTales, and uh, she does a fantastic job in that. Um, what other things has Tress McNeil uh, done, Noah? Just focusing on maternal voices, because this is, you know, she's playing a Tubi mom in this movie. Uh, you guys ever seen this uh, little independent cartoon called Futurama? <laughs> All right. But mom, <laughs> shut up! Yeah, she, 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 she plays. Uh, yeah, she plays mom. Just mom in that the. Uh, I I forget what she's like a uh, maniacal CEO wants to take over the world kind of uh, madame character in that. Very different from this show. Um, she's also um, if you saw Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, she plays the the bloodbender in that one episode. That that was a fun, family-friendly episode to watch, let me tell you. Um, but yeah, you've heard her in a lot of uh, different things. That is um, from the 90s up to the present. Uh, she's Dot in Animaniacs. She's um, Babs Bunny in Tiny Toons. She's, and like you were saying, she's the current voice of Daisy Duck in everything Disney-related. So she's been around the block quite a bit. Next up, we have Ursula as Janine Garofalo. Now, Janine Garofalo is another name that you may have heard because she's a big actress. She was in Dogma. She was um, in a few different things you, you may have heard of, if I can get the thing. Uh, she was on SNL. Uh, she's, she's, she's been, uh, she was in Wes Craven's, uh, no, she turned down the role of Wes Craven's Scream. Oh. Uh, but yeah, she was in, uh, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, uh, and 200 Cigarettes, The Wild, uh, The Truth About Cats and Dogs. She's been in a lot of movies. Yep. Oh, she was in Mystery Men. That's where I know her from. Mystery Men was, you need to see Mystery Men first of all. I haven't, I've been hearing good things about it, but it's like on that long list of movies that I know I won't get around to watching unless someone like physically puts it in front of my eyeballs. Um, so she's done a lot of films. Um, she's more a comedian. Uh, but yeah, like she she's uh, she was on the Ben Stiller show, Larry Sanders, Saturday Night Live. Um, she's been a lot of things, so she's kind of a different casting choice for this. Can I list at least uh, one major voice role that people may have heard her in? Uh, she plays uh, sure. the the chef Colette in Ratatouille, the 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 token love interest. In oh, that movie. okay. Oh, I didn't know okay. that was her. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I, did, I didn't She's realize not French. That. that. She was one of those American actors that they said, just put on a Pepe Le Pew accent and get in the recording studio. Go, 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 go. And then finally for Tombo, we have Matthew Lawrence, who you may have known for his role in Boy Meets <laughs> World. Because, yeah, that's it. That's him. He was also in Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, he was in Brotherly Love um, with his real-life brothers. He hasn't really done a lot much lately, um, but he was also in... Uh... Yeah, because at the time, in 1996 when this was coming out, he was... One of like he was one of the Disney stars. Like I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was actually, uh, yeah, the, you mentioned it. it was the show Brotherly Love, which was a, a TV series starring the three Lawrence brothers, Andy, Joey, and Matthew. Yeah. Um. Right now, like he's been in a few things, uh, like in 2011, 2013, but nothing mm -hmm. big. Um. But a lot of like the stuff for the television shows in the 90s. Um, he was in Girl Meets World, obviously, Hawaii Five O, CSI Miami. He's been in a few things, but, like, Boy Meets World was, like, his big break, I think, around that time. And that was the, the later seasons, because he was uh, Sean's brother, his half-brother in the later seasons when he went to college, right? Yes, that, that was the later seasons. And honestly, I like what he brought to the table. He gave us one of the best Halloween episodes <laughs> with uh, with him and Eric Matthews getting seduced by witches and which is very relevant to today's discussion <laughs> every one of these people are involved with witchcraft <laughs> in some way you know what i think i think they're a witch what but how do you know she's a witch build a bridge out of her what else floats uh very small rocks <laughs> <laughs> more <A> witches. <laughs> so, if she weighs more than a duck, she's a witch. Uh, she's a witch. Um, with that being said, let's let's uh, we're gonna call this the sidekick squad because these are the people that um, uh, Kiki hangs out with the most often, uh, aside from Gigi, mm -hmm. which we'll get to. Uh, so, Noah, sidekick squad. Yeah, I'm glad we, what do you we think? paired these uh, three together because the structure of this movie doesn't exactly have like a three-act structure like a movie. It, it feels a bit like they could have split this up into a couple of different television episodes or a miniseries, which is kind of, it is fitting because um, Miyazaki and Takahata both came from television. But long before they did anything in film, they were tms animators and directors things like lupin the third or the heidi tv series so it's very fitting that their movies have a bit of an episodic feel to them and so and that's why we get some really good episodes with these different characters i have nothing bad to say about trust mcneil as also no because uh it, it's you better not because trust mcneil it does no nothing no you're wrong, right she, ever i'm trying to think back like did, did she do anything <laughs> wrong? And no, no, she has. And actually, she is. Uh, she is so professional that this is, this is a tangent. But when they were casting Tiny Toon Adventures, the casting director talked about how she was the very first person they cast. They had trouble casting some of the other characters like Plucky and Buster. Like Buster was in particular the hardest one to cast. Babs by Trust McNeil was like so instantaneous that she was the very first one they cast. So yes, Trust is a really great actress. And it's interesting that she gets mm -hmm. in this 
movie to kind of play her natural speaking voice. Um, it's not pitched up like her cartoonish voices. It's not lowered like her mom voices. It's more in the middle range. It sounds closer to her normal speaking voice. And I, I really appreciate that because it's still she's still a really great actress. Like she brings a lot of good inflections, a lot of good uh, tough girl moments to it. Like what she's telling Kiki, like Kiki tries to um, refuse her payment for one particular job. She's like, I won't hear anything of it. Work is work. And it's, it's just really well done to the point that I am I'm really sad that Tress is not like a household name like like Tara Strong or Nancy Cartwright. Like, I wish Tress was more popular amongst the world. Just the world! She's done a lot of great stuff. And I mean, granted, a lot of people know her for mm -hmm. the work on The Simpsons, but she's done a lot more than that. And I, I, I definitely think she deserves more recognition Absolutely. for her talents. Um, I'll, I'll move over to um, Janine Garofalo, because this is the one that's honestly the... Um, the most normal-ish sounding of the entire cast. Um, it feels like they, they definitely got an actor for an actress for this, uh, someone who's not who hadn't done a whole lot of voice work before this point. And looking at her credits from nineteen before nineteen ninety six, yeah, like you were saying, she was more of an SNL stand up comic kind of person. But what's interesting is that she doesn't put a comedic spin on her Ursula. She's really good at the dramatic moments. Uh, there's heartfelt moments where she's kind of uh, laying her soul bare about how she uh, loved painting. You know, she would paint so much, like she would pass out at her easel. And then she had a bit of an identity crisis when trying to figure out what to do when she grew up. Like, those are the really great parts. Not so much when she's supposed to be goofier or laughing. Um, I, I'm sorry to say, but there's like really unconvincing moments where she's supposed to be laughing. She's supposed to be like a, a perky mid-20s person that... It doesn't quite come across as the youthful bohemian voice type like for like she's living out in the middle of the woods like she's been in the middle of nowhere with the crows like you'd expect more of a, a kookier bohemian voice out of it but that's not really how janine plays it up it's it's fine it's perfectly fine it's just in a cast that is full of veteran voice actors who are really good at their craft this is the one that feels the more like the more disney celebrity-ish voice like if you, if you think of any other Ghibli dub that had celebrities in it and you could tell it was a celebrity, this is the closest to that that we got. Not so, And not so much on mm -hmm. uh, Lor Matthew Lawrence's Tombow because uh, it kind of helps that he was young, he, he was older, I'm sorry, the character was younger than Matthew was when they filmed this because like he would have been uh, 16 when they filmed this, whereas the character is supposed to be like 13 or so. And so... Matthew gives him like this, his pitch goes up and down and he's got that goofy, dorky voice to it that you'd expect from a Glasses character, obviously, but it's never grating. It's never an annoying nerd kind of voice. And he also has some really good dramatic moments as well. So uh, this is one of the characters that they kind of played up in the marketing of the movie too, like with those uh, coming soon from Walt Disney Pictures and starring Matthew Lawrence as Tombo. And, of course, all the teenage girls were going like, oh, my gosh, it's Matthew Lawrence. We got to buy this movie. He's such a heartthrob. He's a dreamboat. <laughs> that, that was his character That's in true. Boy Meets World, that too. And, and the Disney Channel movie <laughs> that he did um, with uh, his brothers, too. It, was, it wasn't it uh, was the horse movie. It was the sequel to that where they uh, he owns, like, a boat or something. And then they get shipwrecked by pirates. I watched a lot of Disney Channel in the, in the <laughs> 90s, people. 
Yeah, th this is my area of expertise, and it, this is such an interesting dub for me to unpack, because a lot of this is more, I actually <laughs> know these yeah, people. Right? <laughs> I didn't realize he was the, was the boy in Mrs. Doubtfire. I, I completely did not know that. Yes, and that like there's some really interesting roles for for the the stuff that they went through. But um, moving it on, roots. What is what is the root of your thoughts <laughs> on the side, out, sidekick off the squad? Stage. <laughs> yeah, just one sec. Okay. Um, I really liked uh, Trust McNeil's Asano. Um, like. Noah had said um, she has really great motherly vibes to her. Um, but also, can we just talk about her husband for a second? Because he know, doesn't get, like, much, <laughs> okay, if any, in ahead. the way of lines. No, he gets one line, and that's looking at the Zeppelin going, look at that. But I, I think it's great that... Gentlemen, behold a Zeppelin. I think it's... Gentlemen, behold <laughs> now, do you two horn. Know, do you two know who actually vo who voices the one line he has in the movie? No, I don't actually. Okay, sit down for this one. Brad Garrett. Ha! <laughs> awesome. AKA Robert from Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, where was I? <laughs> wow. Robert from well, Everyone he's done Loves a lot Raymond. of other voice work too. Like, like Roots knows this one. He he's he sings Roots' well, favorite it's... song from Tangled. You know, I had a dream <laughs> and Vladimir collects ceramic <laughs> unicorns. Ding. <laughs> I I mean that's interesting in of itself because I used to watch Everybody Loves Raymond like oh, yeah. all the time with my parents. And 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 he will always mm -hmm. be Robert to me, because he's like, God, everyone <laughs> loves Ray, everyone hates me. Why? Why was I cursed to have a successful writer brother? And he's done, I love he's that show. So much voice acting. Work. And uh, but anyways, I'm sorry. You were so <laughs> but but he's he he's in here saying, gentlemen, behold, <laughs> Raymond. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just love the fact that like he's just this big beefy dude who in his first encounter with Kiki and Gigi, his decision to how he's going to portray himself is just to take out a bunch of trays of buns, spin them around to try and impress the cat. Oh man, I I'd like to see him spin those buns, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but I... Oh, I love Tress McNeil's performance. Um, obviously, she is a character who gets a lot more screen time than the ones we had previously talked about. Um, she is basically acting as mentor to Kiki, even though she's not herself a witch. She's giving her something to do to use her powers in a way to help the town. Um, I actually do really like, um, Ursula and Jeanine Garofalo. Um, I do have to agree that her laugh is a little bit awkward, just because it's very obviously something meant 
to fill the lip flaps. Um, but I like, I like her little talks with Kiki about regaining her confidence and, you know, her love of life and her magic and, like, that, that whole thing where she relates it to her painting is, is really great. And then Tombo's just a dumb kid, and I can really appreciate Matthew Lawrence <laughs> going the extra mile to play this really dumb, naive dumb. kid who just loves aviation. I wouldn't call him dumb. Like, his mom even gets after him for, like, spending all of his time reading books. Look, I mean, <laughs> you can be very book smart, but at the same time be a bit of a doof. That is true, that he is incredibly doofy. That's a good word for it. He doesn't have a lot of street smarts. I mean, he he doesn't throw a lot of guys off their rhythm, <laughs> as uh, John Mulaney would say. Throw when perps off their street rhythm. Smarts. <laughs> you gotta troll them off their rhythm. Now, number one, get yourself a money uh, clip. You can get those at any haberdashery. <laughs> you know, back when this film came out, there probably were haberdashers around. Probably. We... 1989. Like, all of us were born around that time, weren't we? Oh, I I was around a little bit by that time. I was born time. in 90. Yeah, and I, I was, I was 90, 1990s as well. Kid. So, yeah, so this... This was like the genesis of us too. Don, Don, Don. This is the beginning of Dub Talk Special Squad, <laughs> Anime Squad. Um, but I, I just love how Matthew Lawrence got Tombo down as like this really book smart kid who is incredibly dumb when it comes to talking to girls. Mm-hmm. Incredibly dumb. <laughs> um as for me i i like all three of them uh osanu uh, tress mcneil does a fantastic job tress, tress mcneil i've never seen her do a bad performance this is no exception it's very different for her range but it's a welcome addition i think she did a fantastic job ursula is my favorite really? character in the film and I love the stuff that she added because, uh, like, she, she brought, like, this real human element to it. And while K Kiki was more, like, relatable to me as a child, as an adult, uh. I relate so much to Ursula and, and, and her struggles as an artist and just wanting to, you know, just don't have all that pressure on yourself. And uh, just there was a lot to like in her character. I think Janine did a great job, but I can agree with you there that there are some parts that do feel a little bit... Um, weaker than usual. If I had to pick the weaker member of the cast, Janine is probably the weakest. And that's not a, that's not a, a, a mm -hmm. that's not a knock against her. That's a knock against she just wasn't experienced at the time with that voice acting. But for the most part, I love her performance. And I, and think I mean, she does in great terms job. of a dub, with I love so Matthew many Lawrence. Great actors working with you. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's definitely a case of a rising tide raises all ships. Now, there is one part that Jimmy gets uh, um, in the dub that we don't really get to hear, but I feel compelled to mention it because there's a part in the in the original dub, uh, the VHS release, that they cut from her lines uh, for the DVD re-release. So you remember the part where they're going back to her cabin, they're taking the bus, 
they're walking, and then they try to hitchhike a ride, and then the guy stops with a truck, right? You remember that scene? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so yep. obviously they're hitchhiking. I, I get the feeling that Disney in the 90s didn't want children to watch this and think that that was a good idea. So what they did is they, they threw in this line, like, kind of really quickly where Janie says, hey, I know this guy, let's go, to give the idea that, oh, no, we're, no, we're not hitchhiking. This is, like, a friend of mine. That was not in the Japanese. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, Again, they, they clean that up for the uh, for the, the DVD release later because it, it wasn't in the Japanese and it's not true. No, you do not know this guy. But I just, I just love bringing up that little part about what what they felt was a good localization for the '90s market. Quick, it's a big rig. Get out um, your games. As for Tom, <laughs> big rigs over the road racing, over the road, under the road. Who knows? Um, as for Tombo, I love Matthew Lawrence. I loved him in Boy Meets World. I used to watch Brotherly Love. I I think he's a wonderful actor, and I think he has great energy, and he really brings it across in Tombo. Like, he's a lovable dork, and, uh, you know, I've seen him in a lot of different roles, but he just, he seems to nail it every single time. Um, if you're listening <laughs> to this, and I don't know why you would be, but Matthew Lawrence, you good. You done well, we'll good. You, you done later. did it. Don't worry. Um, hashtag tweeting t- Tombo. Um, all right, now we have our final cast members. We're gonna call this <laughs> the Cat Squad. Uh, uh, spooky Cat Squad. Um, we have Gigi, which is uh, Kiki's cat, and we also have Kiki. Now, Gigi is voiced by the late Phil Hartman, which is also a voice actor that you probably have known. Um, probably have known for many different things, but I know him as Troy McClure. You may know me from such films as Destruction Derby 2, Destroy Harder. And, uh, you, you, uh, we also have Kirsten Dunst as Kiki, which is, uh, an interesting casting. You may know Kirsten Dunst as uh yeah, okay as here's the thing up. God she, damn she's it. mary jane in the spider-man movies yeah she's mj in in spider-man uh she's also been in eternal sunshine of the spotless mind which i want to get like something else in there she was in uh coppola's marie antoinette uh she was she was in a... jumanji <laughs> She was in Jumanji. She was uh, Amy March in Little Women. Uh, she was in Small Soldiers. You may have seen Small Soldiers, also <laughs> known as the best horror f- film ever made. Um, she's been in a lot of things, and for for them to have her, uh, like, she wasn't that big in the 90s, but, like, she got big afterwards with, like, Jumanji and Small Soldiers, and uh, she was in Bring On. You, you may know I her feel from like, bringing like on. She was like her star was um, really rising when they were casting her in this movie. So like it's not that she was a household name yet, but she was on her way to becoming one. Agreed, and it's it's just an interesting casting choice for these two, um, especially Phil Hartman. Uh, this yes. was the final role that he did before he passed away. 
and uh, before we lost Troy McClure, uh, and this Noah, is do you want to take be it very sad here? because yes, um, Phil Hartman's performances um, as a stand-up comic or as a voice actor on The Simpsons or e even other things too. Like I think he was a member of the Groundlings uh, improv troupe because uh, members of that group got cast in the movie The Brave Little Toaster, uh, which Phil was also in. He played both the the air conditioner and in the horror shop scene, he plays the lamp in that one. Like he, he was very good at, he was very good at impressions as well. Oh. Like he had a Jack Nicholson impression and then a uh, Peter Lloyd impression. So uh, casting him in this is uh, very different because he's not funny. He's not. Uh, sorry, no, no, no. Let me let me rephrase that. He's not uh, goofy funny like in The Simpsons. He is dry, sarcastic, droll. The world is on fire, and I don't care. Voice, and it's absolutely—he is exactly like so. A cat. He's a cat. If you have a cat. If you've seen a cat. If you've even heard of a cat, you know that they don't care about anything. They—they they are knock the cup off the table. I don't care about the world. So, and and Phil's uh, performance in this, for the parts that we hear in the the DVD release of it, every line is funny. Every little bit of his um, his droll. Um, he sees a lake and he's like, who cares? It's just a big puddle of water. Or um, sees the, the snooty white cat and he's like, <laughs> pardon me, Miss Snooty Britches. I can't, I, can't I can't replicate it. It's just the greatest uh, deadpan kind of voice. And I'm so glad we got it. It's a shame that they actually gave him way more lines in the original, in the uh, VHS release, because those lines uh, didn't exactly uh, add to the movie. They just kind of padded it out a little bit more. Hold on one second, guys. S speaking of cats, hi, Chiaki. Hello, Chiaki. We're going to put this in the bloopers, maybe. Hey, buddy. I know you probably can't hear me because... She's just like, what are you doing? Headphones, but... <laughs> yeah, she can't hear you. She she always joins me when I, at the start of any recording, and then she goes away for All a right, little bit so and comes back. Obviously, editor person, you know how to trim this part out. Had to go dad mode there for a second. Well, who, I thought Noah this, was yeah, the this editor. Is this, is this is future, future Noah's, Noah's problem. problem. And he, I'm sure he's kicking me for this. <laughs> Sorry. All right, I, I will pick back up. <laughs> Hi, I'm Troy McClure, and I'm kicking you for this. this. So, so yeah, so it's a bit of a shame that all of um, a lot of those extra lines they gave Phil to um, uh, to beef up Gigi's part in the movie uh, don't really exist anymore. The only way that you can find them is if you tr hunt down a copy of the original VHS tape. And it's not that they really added to the movie; they just kind of. Uh, filled in the the quieter moments, the quieter scenes to, you know, just make it more like kids need to have audio on screen at all times, um, which is you know, perfectly fine for localization purposes. But uh, it's just a bit of a shame that we don't have a copy of that available anymore. I kind of wish that the like the DVD version had a, uh, you know, pick your own track uh, option where it's like you can watch the theatrical version or you can watch the Disney version. But Phil is perfect in this. This is exactly what I want from a, a black cat sidekick character. Good job, Phil. And as for Kristen, uh, this is probably one of the better uh, Ghibli Doves female leads. Um, compare this to things like Anna Paquin in Laputa Castle in the Sky or um, 
I can't, I can't remember who played uh, Nausicaa and Nausicaa the Valley of the Wind or the, the Fanning sisters in Totoro. Just uh, compared to all of those, Kristen Dunst is definitely was, is an actress. And she's got a lot of youthful energy, kind of like that naive energy that only a teenager can have, which is refreshing because it's both true to how someone striking out on their own for the first time would act. And it also uh, makes it even more tragic when things start to go wrong near the middle of the movie. And yeah, every part of Kristen's delivery on this is really good. There's like little bits here and there where she gets nervous about like, will you call my parents when she runs into the police officers? There's um, depressing moments where she just gives Gigi her food. So her range is all over the place and it's fitting perfectly with the movie. Like this movie's dub kind of lives and dies by the strength of Kiki's voice actress, and Kristen Dunst was up to the task. All right. Um, and, so uh, I think Noah hit roots? a lot of what I was going to say on the head, but um, in particular, I do kind of want to bring up sort of the character dynamics between Kiki and Gigi. Um, they work really well against each other as a comedic duo. Um, whereas Kiki is incredibly peppy and for the most part, for at least the first two acts of the movie, um, very energetic, happy, and just naive to the world, I guess. Meanwhile, Gigi is just grumpy, sarcastic. Uh, he likes to be snippy, not only to, to Kiki, but to other animals. But he's also, he also has this clever wit to him. Um, as seen when they had to... Um, when they had to deliver a stuffed cat toy, and that that toy ended up falling into a nest of crows... And he had to disguise himself as this cat. I, I want to point out one part about that, that particular episode of the movie. Because, you know, he, he has to disguise himself as a stuffed doll. And for a boy who's having a birthday. Do you guys know who voiced the boy in that scene? Yeah, it's Bobby Hill. It's Bobby Hill. We hmm. That boy, right. So, so really, Bobby Hill has been saving anime <laughs> since the 90s. <laughs> I'll tell you yeah, what. Yeah, Pam Pamela, I forget her last name, but Pamela needs uh, <laughs> needs a lot more recognition than just Bobby Hill. Because she's just a very good actress. She's just a very recognizable actress. She's just very recognizable as Bobby Hill. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I know her as Pajama Sam from the <laughs> Pajama Sam computer <laughs> games. But second to that is Bobby Hill. <laughs> Oh, she was she was uh, pajama I, Sam. That's I, I, wow! I didn't know that. Uh, that you did. I've learned what something today. When you, uh, expand your mind and watch movies from 1989. You, you know that 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 uh, meme mm -hmm. with the galaxy brain, universe brain. Well, like every time <laughs> we learn something, a new brain is open. Well, yeah, I, I learned that Matthew Lawrence was in Mrs. Doubtfire. So yeah, chalk that one up to the galaxy brain. <laughs> yeah um uh anything more to add in Ruth? that scene though i did notice something in particular with um phil hartman's performance um and that is um 
I think he suffers the most from kind of the weird lip flaps. Because um, some of his lines feel a little stilted and not in the voice acting sense, but more the... Um, I'm trying to get everything Gigi has to convey in, like, one or two mouth flaps. But I have, like, this line or two of dialogue that I gotta get in there real quick. So it just feels like really rapid fire and doesn't quite fit. I do very much like the voice in the performance, though. It's just sometimes it doesn't quite fit with the flaps. And Kirsten Dunst, like I said, she does the the very happy, peppy Kiki very, very well. And then when she has to sort of bring the house down a little bit... Um, she is capable of doing the sort of sullen, depressed, losing her powers Kiki very well as well. So I really enjoyed these two. All right. As for me, well, like you said, the film lives and dies on these two characters. Luckily, these two characters are probably the best cast of the film. Uh, the film has wonderfully cast for most for like the grand majority of it, and Phil Hartman <laughs> is perfect as Gigi. I can't really imagine someone doing a better job um, than him, like quite as good a job as he did. And he just uh, lived up every scene that he was in. He was funny. He was fun. He did his role really correct. I love. I loved his snark i loved his sarcasm i think that was great um in terms of kirsten dunst i think she did a brilliant job like i i know her mostly as like spider-man <laughs> stuff like that and she was wasted <laughs> in the spider-man films um she really was because she didn't do anything like past like the later films. she kept being just a damsel in distress whereas like in in the well, amazing I, spider-man I like films Gwen at least Stacey's when stacy like, does a more stuff. dynamic character um, in the first place and i mean all i've seen her in is of course the spectacular spider-man cartoon and then the the recent um spider-verse movie but i i just feel like uh mary jane is just a very basic character to begin with hmm um, but yeah, I think Kirsten Dunst has such a range on her because Kiki's a character who goes through a lot. She's supposed to be peppy and upbeat, but she goes through a major depression as she grows up and loses her powers. And there has to be that balance, and she does it perfectly. Um, so overall, I personally loved it. Um, yeah, that is the final set of characters, guys. We uh, that that is the film. Yeah. Um. I'm going to start off with my final thoughts because I have a lot to say, kind of. Um, this film meant a lot to me as a kid, and this dub in particular meant a lot to me as a kid. Growing up, seeing it, seeing what voice acting was, and I think it had a great influence on me growing up and and pursuing anime and, and looking into voice acting. Um, but just the way these cast members convey these characters, it resonated with me so much. This film lives and dies on its characters because it's not as much action Mm -hmm. so much as the character. It's a character piece. And without these wonderful characters and the voice actors, it would not live. This dub 
was worth it. This dub did a lot of of seriously amazing things, and um, I think more people need to check it out and watch it. Yes, Kiki is a household name now, but I don't think people acknowledge as much the dub, or if they do acknowledge the dub, they don't know about the voice voice cast and the people who made this happen. Seriously, I didn't know that uh, Sean Matthews... His brother. Was, or, no, well, uh, uh, his brother... Um, <laughs> Uh, I didn't realize that Matthew Lawrence was in this. I didn't realize that Debbie Reynolds was in this. And, like, these are people who, um, yes, are big names, but, like, I, I feel like we should look more into the dub in some of these films. And I really am grateful for this five-year anniversary thing because it allowed me to see a different side of the uh, animation and voice uh, dubbing industry. And... <laughs> it's it's very interesting who they got um, to cast and, uh, for this. Noah, this final thoughts. For, um, I mean, I, I think I watched it uh, like a year ago, maybe when I was uh, I kind of had a bug to rewatch all of the Ghibli movies I could because uh, I own most of them on home video. And in rewatching this, I I found that this movie still holds up really well. Um, it doesn't have any like the flashy action scenes like Lapita. It doesn't have a grand uh, fantasy world like Nausicaa, and it's definitely not spirited away if we're just going by other uh, Miyazaki movies. But it has, like, a really strong beating heart to it. And dubbing this into English felt like a really important stepping stone for the um, for introducing Ghibli's canon to, uh, to the, the West. I mean, I, I know that um, people like Disney animators uh, talked about how influenced they were by uh, Miyazaki, even, like, before he was a household name in America. So I'm really glad that this uh, got the opportunity to become as big as it was in America. The few issues I had with um, lines being rushed because the lip flaps are going by so quickly and they're not putting a, a space in there is just kind of a, uh, I suppose, a feature of uh, dubbing, at least uh, Disney dubbing at the time, that I just kind of grew to accept. I don't think uh, it's really so standout-ish as to say you should absolutely watch this in Japanese and not in English. Um, like I, I actually I don't know if I've seen very much of the Japanese. I've seen bits and pieces of the Japanese um, for one key reason, which was at the end of the movie where um, uh, Gigi shows back up. Like, you know, we've had the whole Zeppelin chase and the crowd is cheering them on. Gigi shows back up and he does not talk. But in the original VHS release of the English dub, he does. He says like, Kiki, can you hear me? as a way to kind of, like, make a happier ending for the kids, because, you know, we want the cat to speak again. But in watching, I, I rewatched the Japanese, uh, that part of the Japanese to confirm, uh, no, that is not what was supposed to be said. And luckily, they did fix that for the DVD re-release of the English dub. So, yeah, with that said, I'm sure that um, the changes they made for the original VHS dub felt necessary at the time. I'm very grateful that they went back and, uh, fix it up to be closer to the Japanese. And uh, I do hope that more people do check this out because you know, it has very few contemporaries or very few films like Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, so... Roots, you're up. I'm sort of coming into this experience as the guy who... I guess it... If we're considering this a traditional classics episode, I would be sort of the person who came into this blind. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it, it's really interesting watching Kiki's delivery service as a grown man. Because um, first of all, I attached immediately to the sort of comfy European setting. Like, beautiful middle of summer <laughs> over the Baltic Sea. Beautiful and scenic. Mm -hmm. um, but also, as the movie progressed, and you sort of get the message of sort of, you have to rekindle what you love about the things you love or you're going to lose them. And, boy, if that's not a mood. It is no, a large big ass that, um, Setting it in uh, in the European uh, kind of setting, that, that was something that uh, both Miyazaki and Takahata liked to do with a lot of their productions because it, it felt um, like a nice distance from the post-war Japanese setting that they grew up in. So that's why you'll see a lot of their movies like, um, uh, like Heidi or... Uh, the Norse Prince, or just a lot of things they did are feel very Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. Sherlock Hound, that's another big one. Yeah, there we go. Um, as for the dub, I actually... I'm actually glad that the older Disney dub... I mean, from a perspective of preservation, I'm kind of bummed it doesn't really exist in a practical form anymore mm -hmm. um, but at the same time from the way Noah has described it I'm kind of glad it's not the default mm -hmm. um, everything felt natural in the home video version of the of the film um Performances were great. Um, nobody overstayed their welcome. It was just a wonderful film-going experience for me. And I I actually watched it several times before the recording. Not necessarily for Dub Talk, but because I actually, you know, enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, so this is a film that hopefully I will be able to experience with others later on oh it is definitely a, an, an easy crowd watching mm -hmm. kind of movie with that being said this has been the dub talk on kiki's delivery service if you would like to go check out kiki's delivery service it is streaming now on netflix along with the rest of the ghibli catalog except for um except for uh, what's it What's it called? Um, and that and not in America. Yeah. That is not available yeah, that, on, not on Netflix. In, uh, um, United States of America. It's been added to Canada. Like uh, just a couple days ago, they said, "Oh, by the way, Canada, you can watch all the Ghibli films on Netflix now." Mm -hmm. Yeah, Australia has it as well. Um, so if you have it streaming Netflix, if not, it is easily available. You can find the Blu-ray online. Um, at, at Amazon or, or other places where uh, streaming services may exist, it is a pretty easy to film. It is it is a pretty easy film to find, and altogether, I highly recommend you watch it at least once. As with any Ghibli property, um, it's it, Ghibli films are films that I think all film students, uh, anyone who's 
involved or Pom interested Poco. in films should watch at least at some point. <laughs> I've actually, I've known as nothing to do oh, with come testicles. On, like, Tanuki like I, testicles. Old buddy, um, showed that on a stream like years ago, and we were just watching it as the 11th hour went on and nothing interesting was happening. And it was so boring. Sorry. I'm sorry, Takahata. You're fine as a director on other things, but that movie, holy God. You guys can skip Pompoko. Go skip that. Go straight to Whisper of the Heart. And uh, by the way, as a note for American listeners, with all um, that being said, while it is not available on Netflix, uh, you can actually stream all of Studio Ghibli's catalog except for The Wind Rises on HBO Max, which mm -hmm. um, Wind Rises will come later. And Grave of the Fireflies is over on Sentai Central. High yep. dive. Now, before we end, before we end off, let's just give a big shout Friends, out to our dub patrons who help make special episodes like this possible. Because without you guys, we would not have the motivation to keep on going. First up, I want to give a big thanks to our five dollar patrons: Crimson Echidna, Michael Nuding. Let me say it one more time: Nuding. I think it's Nuding. <clears throat> Michael Nuding, Miraculous, Corazon, Nika Robin, but with Yowie hands, B. Morris, and Michelle Travis. Thank you guys very much. And then ramping up the magic for our $10 patrons. Again, these are the people who chipped in a little bit extra, get the episodes a little bit earlier, and are super extra awesome. Big thanks to Carly Lestikow, Spartacus, Marissa Lenti, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Jacob Wilson and Julia W. You guys are magical patrons indeed. With all that being said, please do go check out the Studio Ghibli catalog. There's a lot of really good films, especially Kiki's Delivery Service. Go check it out. And uh, again, Otaku on my friends, be safe out there, watch some anime, and maybe some Western cartoons too. Oh, all, all the time. In fact, don't, rest don't restrict it to Western. Watch things from all over the world. Maybe Sweden has cartoons pe too, people. <laughs> Gentlemen, behold! <laughs> cartoon! <laughs> Otaku on Dadaba. <laughs> <laughs>